Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. We're going to go over to uh, Philippians chapter number one. And as uh, we've been looking here at uh, Paul's letter here to the uh, Philippian church, and if you're just joining with us, uh, we've just finished up this awesome prayer that he has prayed for the church in uh, verses uh, 9 through 11. And right on the heels of that, uh, Paul then begins to talk about his own personal circumstances that has happened in his life. And uh, last week I told you, we were, or a couple weeks ago, I told you we were going to lay a foundation on that of focusing on Christ rather than self and uh, just really understanding that Christ is the one that we need to be focusing in on in the midst of difficulties and trials. And you saw how that brought great joy in Paul's life, even while he was in prison. And uh, so what I want to want to focus in on this week is how Paul used those circumstances for the advancement of the gospel, recognizing and realizing that no matter what circumstance he was in, God was going to use it in such a way to advance the gospel. And uh, I believe that we as well can use the circumstances that God has placed us in for the advancement of the gospel. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Allow your circumstances to be used for the advancement of the gospel. So let's take a look here again at our text here in Philippians uh, 1, beginning verses uh, 12, and we'll go right down through uh, verse number 18. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice." So the first thing I want you to see here is what Paul did is he took the gospel everywhere he went. And I believe if we are going to advance the gospel, if we're going to allow our circumstances to be used for the advancement of the gospel, that means we have to take the gospel everywhere we go. And so as we look here at Philippians, we see Paul's description of this gospel and it's being spread throughout Rome. Well, he was imprisoned. And look, listen to what he said in uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. It was Paul's desire that the gospel would go throughout all of Rome. Listen to what he says. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He says, I long to be with you, when he was writing to uh, those that were in Rome. 
And so Rome really was the most influential city at the time. I mean, you have to think, uh, how many of you ever heard of the, 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 word, the, uh, the term Roman roads, right? All these roads were built. They all were going into Rome. I mean, it was a very influential city. And Paul says, I want that gospel to go forth into all of Rome so that it might affect the entire world. You know, one thing that I believe that Paul did not have in mind as he was on his way to Rome was the fact that how he would in turn reach Rome would be by being in prison. I mean, that was probably not in his itinerary. He probably wasn't looking and saying, okay, at six o'clock, I'm gonna pick this up and this time I'm gonna do this. And then, oh, look at this. I have a, uh, an appointment with a Roman guard and then I'm gonna be imprisoned. That wasn't on his mind, but that's exactly what God used to bring the gospel into Rome. Paul was very extremely gifted and talented. He was planting churches wherever he went. I mean, he was the chief apostle. He was gonna be used greatly of God and was used greatly of God. But now here he is in prison. I mean, don't you think that's kind of working backwards? But that's exactly where God wanted him because that's what God was gonna use for the advancement of the gospel. At this point in Paul's life, we learned that previously he had been in prison for two years in Caesarea for preaching the gospel. And now he was to be in prison for two more years while in Rome. In this instance, when Paul was writing to the Philippians here, he was under house arrest with a Roman guard chained to him 24 hours a day. Think about that. He's in his home and he has a Roman guard chained to him all the time. And there was, a, sure, a changing of the guard. I'm sure another one came in and unlocked and locked him and all that kind of stuff. But that's where Paul was. And while all of this was happening, listen to what Paul says in verse number 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That word advance is an interesting word. It has the meaning of a pioneer advance. It's really a military term. It's used in the fact of, of an army going forth and clearing the way so that way the other people could come in. And Paul says, I am being used, my circumstances are being used to clear the way so the gospel could continue to move forward into new territory. And so God used Paul to break new territory for the gospel. You know, what an example for us to learn from that even in Paul's circumstances, he was going to use them to advance the gospel. I mean, some of us would look at that at circumstances being chained to a Roman guard as the fact of saying, boy, this, these are dire circumstances. But Paul was like, hey, this is a great opportunity. This is gonna be used for the advancement of the gospel. How do we know that what happened to Paul was God-ordained? How do we know that what God did in Paul's life was something that God had planned for Paul, for the advancement of the gospel. Well, early in Paul's ministry, 
at his conversion. We read about in Acts chapter nine how Ananias had this vision and the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, I want you to go find Paul and I want you now to really disciple him and help him. And Ananias is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Do you know who you want me to go see? This guy has caused problems. And listen to what God tells Ananias. In Acts chapter nine, verses 15 and 16, he says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. This was already preordained that Paul would encounter extreme difficulties and circumstances so that the gospel would be proclaimed. We must remember that our lives are planned and directed by God. And it is in those circumstances that we sometimes find ourselves in as what we may see as a hardship and a difficulty. And it is what God is going to use to bring glory to himself and it's going to be used for our good. You see, the way Paul used his circumstances and how he viewed in what happened to him was for the advancement of the gospel, to be a pioneer and take the gospel to other places. You know, every believer is called to be a gospel pioneer. All of us are called to preach the gospel. You see, what we are missionaries in whatever context God has placed us in, whether that be a factory worker, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, whether that be a carpenter, whether that be doing some type of business work somewhere, wherever God has placed you, he has placed you there for the advancement of the gospel. Listen to what Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says. Jesus said this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are all called to make disciples. All of us are called to make disciples wherever we are, inviting people into our lives, just like how we heard John today as he shared. We went and spent that time with the mom and those kids. And did you hear what he prayed for? How we can speak into their life, how we can make a connection for the gospel. That's what it's about, taking the gospel out to other people. And God says, I want to use your circumstances that you've been placed in for the advancement of the gospel. So what has happened to you? What's your story? Are you using that for the advancement of the gospel? I remember meeting a man one time and I began witnessing to him and talking to him about the Lord. And he says, oh, I know the Lord. He says, I know Christ. And he began to share his story with me. And this man has now, he was on dialysis at the time. And he said, God has allowed me to have kidney failure so I can go every single week and go have dialysis. Because you know what? When I am there, you know what I'm doing? I'm telling people about Christ. 
That's what he was using for the advancement of the gospel. You see, as we look at Paul's description of the gospel ministry in Rome, the hope is that we will be inspired to become gospel pioneers as well, to proclaim Christ in every circumstance. And so I would encourage you, whatever circumstance, whatever opportunity that God places you in, you get pulled over by a police officer. Is that an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel? You bet. Officer, I know what I did is wrong. I'm a sinner. You see, these are opportunities that God allows and permits in our lives for the advancement of the gospel. Cancer, death, hardship, loss of a job. These are all opportunities for the advancement of the gospel. Here's the second thing. Share the gospel in every circumstance. Notice how every circumstance was used in Paul's life to share the gospel or for the advancement of the gospel. Look at verse number 13. He says here, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Here was Paul under arrest, chained to Roman guards. And most of us have probably would have thought, what a restriction to proclaiming Christ. He can't be out and about in the marketplace. But Paul says, no, this is being used for the advancement of the gospel. I'm sure Paul maybe thought, boy, what an opportunity. I have a captive audience. Can you imagine you're chained to this guy, Paul? I mean, these Roman soldiers were rough guys, okay? Here they are, here's Paul. And he says, starts talking to him about the Lord. Or maybe he just breaks out in song and starts singing about Christ. Oh boy. <sighs> Paul was using it for that purpose. Look, notice what Paul says here. He says, hear that throughout the whole palace guard. Think of that. The whole palace guard knew of this guy, Paul, and that he was chained to a Roman soldier. And they heard about Christ. Paul says, I've been using these circumstances for that. Everybody was hearing the, the gospel through Paul during his imprisonment. In fact, in Acts chapter 28, verses 16, and also verses 30 and 31, it says this, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Then in verses 30 and 31, it says this, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm using these opportunities to preach Christ. And so you think everybody that came to see him, he preached Christ. He's in his own rented house, Roman soldier there chained to him, and he's preaching Christ. Look at verse number 14. Look what he says here. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Wow. Here it is, Paul is talking about in his, in his imprisonment, it encouraged many of the other Roman Christians. 
He says, here I am in prison and guess what it's doing? It's causing other believers to become more bold to speak about Christ. And it was being used. And so when they saw the power of the gospel for salvation to those soldiers, in fact, this is so amazing. Here's Paul, the Roman soldiers chained to him. It's becoming known throughout the whole imperial guard. And listen to this, this is awesome. In Philippians chapter number four, when Paul is finishing up his letter, he says this, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. What? You mean the gospel even reached into Caesar's household? Absolutely. Why? Because Paul was in prison and chained and he was there in his circumstances and God was using it for the advancement of the gospel. You see, our walk, especially our attitude, always has an effect. Do you find Paul here sulking and discouraged, disappointed? No, he's very positive. In fact, that's why he says, I rejoice in this. I rejoice that this has happened because God is using it for the advancement of the gospel. And you know, that's exactly what God is gonna do in your life. The circumstances that God has placed you in, the way that you respond to those circumstances, if you respond with joy, if you respond with contentment, if you respond in a way that glorifies and honors Christ, people are going to see that whether people are saved or whether people are lost and they're gonna be encouraged because God is using them for the advancement of the gospel. I wanna give you something to think about. Turn over to Colossians chapter number one. You know, I... Talking with people, you know, you, you hear of their hardships, you hear of their difficulties, and my heart goes out to them. It really does. I, I feel sorry for people when they have made decisions or things have happened in their lives and it's and it caused upset and it's caused problems and difficulties in their life. And I believe sometimes we look at difficulties and hardships and we want them to just go away, to disappear or maybe somehow for God to, to pick us up and remove us completely out of that difficulty and move us someplace else. Listen to what Paul prays. And I want you to get this. Colossians chapter number one, look at verse number 10. This is Paul's prayer. He's saying this, he's praying for this church and this, he says, this is my prayer for you. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He says, I want you to walk this way, okay? This is, this is, how, you, this is how you should conduct your life. Then notice the next two verses, verses 11 and 12. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of miracles and signs and wonders. Is that what it says? Nope. Look what it says. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might with all endurance and patience with joy. 
Paul prays for steadfastness of a thankful attitude during trials instead of deliverance from trials. That's a difference. God places us in difficulties so that we might be strengthened with endurance, with joy. Look at what Paul says next here in verses 15 and 17 in Philippians. He says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others, he says, from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Paul says, there are these people here. Paul is being criticized for preaching the gospel. He's being criticized for living for Christ, for living a godly life. Paul viewed the criticism here of others as an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed. Now, who exactly were these critics? Who were they? Some believe that they were the Judaizers, the Jewish uh, legalists who were seeking to bring Paul's converts under uh, Jewish law, saying, okay, yes, you, you believed in Christ, but now guess what? You also have to be circumcised, adding to salvation. Paul warns against these people in Philippians chapter number three. But these people here that Paul is talking about that were his critics we're not these Judaizers. How do we know that? Well, flip over to Galatians. And I want you to show you the difference here that Paul talks about these Judaizers in Galatians and then he talks about these that were uh, there at Philippi who were criticizing him. Look what he says here. And I want you to see the difference. Galatians uh, chapter uh, one, verses six through nine. Look what Paul says here. He talks about these Judaizers. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. But then look what Paul says about these who are criticizing him in Philippians. He says, these people, he says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but from others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. See the difference between them? These are not these people that are preaching another gospel. These were people that Paul perhaps even knew, maybe were close friends with. And these people, he says that they are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. James tells us that selfish ambition is sinful. It's devilish. And Paul says that these people are jealous of his ministry. And so they are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. In other words, they want everybody to look towards them 
Hey, look at me. Look how great I am. Oh, well, you know that Paul, he's in prison, but really you need to listen to me, okay? Paul says that they're doing this. These are critics. And what is Paul's attitude towards all this? Look at his attitude. How do you feel about the Christian leaders who are criticizing you, Paul? Don't you feel hurt, wounded? Don't you wanna lash out at them? Here's Paul's answer. Look at verse number 18. If they are preaching Christ, I rejoice. <laughs> he says, they're preaching Christ. I rejoice at that. The gospel's going out. The gospel is advancing. And so Paul's attitude while in prison was with joy. He saw this as a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel in every circumstance. And you know, we too must share the gospel in every circumstance that we're placed in. We must never let circumstances get us down, never let our situation hinder our testimony and witness for Christ, no matter what they are. So how are you using your circumstances right now in life? Are you using them for the advancement of the gospel? I mean, even ones that are hard and difficult, the ones that just seem, man, that's hard to get by. Or is God, are you using them for the advancement of the gospel? Are you preaching Christ? Here's the third thing. Remember what is important. It's the gospel. When you boil everything down in life, you know what matters? The gospel. That's it. Notice Paul's goal here of what he was seeking. Look at verse number 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. You see, what brought Paul joy was that the gospel was being proclaimed. What is in your life that brings you joy? I mean, what, what really resonates with you that when you have that thing, when you're around that thing, it brings you great joy? And then I want you to ask yourself this question, is it eternal? Because all of it's gonna burn up. Poof, gone. Peter tells us that, the, that the, the world is gonna melt with a fervent heat. Bible tells us that our God is a consuming fire. And Paul says that the gospel is what brought him joy. So what is it in your life that brings you great joy? Is it the gospel? Is it seeing people come to know Christ? Is it taking the gospel, advancing the gospel? Is it telling others about Christ? If that's not what brings us great joy, then we got some serious problems because we are focusing in on everything else other than Christ. For Paul, his joy was primarily affected by the advancement of the gospel. It didn't matter if he was in prison. He saw that as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. So where is your joy centered? What is your heart tied to? 
The reason I believe many of us are not gospel-centered is because we have a heart problem, a heart defect that affects our focus and our joy in the work of the gospel. Solomon said this, he said, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. Because of this reality, Jesus commanded us to not store up riches here on earth in order to protect our hearts, in order to make our hearts kingdom-centered. He said this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. And listen to this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? What do you treasure and value the most in life? Paul treasured and valued the gospel because he knew what it could do. He knew how it could change and transform people. And really, isn't that what life is all about? The fact that Christ himself came to this earth he lived a sinless life. The fact that he walked among us, the fact that he did miracles to prove who he was, and the fact that he went to a cross and he bore the wrath of God for you and for me. Our sin for his righteousness. They crucified him, they mocked him, they nailed him to a cross, beat him, whipped him. And there he died bearing the sin guilt of you and me on the cross, buried and rose again, resurrected in glory and great power, and he's coming back. So what other things in life are hindering us? What are things in life are our treasure, our values? What are the things that are important to us? You see, we gotta get our priorities straight. It needs to be about the gospel. Sadly, there are so many churches that lose the, lose the focus of the gospel and it's about everything else. It's about all kinds of social programs, but it's not about Christ. And don't get me wrong, it's not wrong to feed the poor, it's not wrong to help people, but if you remove the gospel out of that, what good is it? It's nothing. And so we gotta have our gospel focus. That's why Paul could say, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Jesus reminds us, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Keep the gospel center and forefront in your life. Remember that God is gonna use your circumstances in your life for the advancement of the gospel and allow them to be used in that way. So what are your lives centered around? What is our church centered around? Is it centered around our success? Is it centered around our comfort and safety? Is it centered around on the gospel and worshiping God together? I'd pray that we would live gospel-centered lives. Let's pray together.
If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.